This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger, and today I am absolutely delighted fucking delighted, and yes, you can swear on this podcast, to welcome Yan K. Crystal Lowe to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. When I think of Crystal, the first word that comes to my mind is hustler. Not because she's a pool shark, or maybe she is, I wouldn't be surprised, or that she hustles chumps for money, but because as long as I've known Crystal, and I've known her a long time, She's always been on the move. She's always working at something, acting, producing, directing, running a restaurant, motherhood, hustling, like a hurricane, but a hurricane that creates instead of wreaking havoc. Crystal is beloved around the world for her portrayal of Rita Hayworth. Pardon me. I mean, Rita Hayworth Dorman in the signed, sealed, delivered series and films about a lost letters office and the eclectic crew who work so diligently to unite letters with the people who need to read the most. Signed, sealed, delivered's dedicated fans are known as postables. And I promise postables, we will talk at length about Rita, Norman, Shane, and Oliver. But Crystal's journey to Rita was long and winding like the journey for a lot of those lost letters. And we've got a few stops to talk about before we even get there. Crystal was only 15 when she booked her first acting gig. And since then, she's appeared in in an array of roles in films like Snakes on a Plane and Insomnia, in television shows like Smallville and Supernatural and Republic of Doyle, while also strutting herself as a model. She's been a scream queen. She battled displaced dinosaurs and generated reams of code as a series regular on Primeval New World. She's appeared in a long, 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 I mean, it's honestly, it's a long list of Christmas movies, including <laughs> Christmas at Dollywood, what? Along the way, Crystal has helmed a number of profitable businesses, including a promotional modeling company, a burlesque troupe, an event planning firm, and a Tim Burton-inspired restaurant bar called Hyde, where guests were invited to play burlesque bingo, drink strawberry-infused vodka, and arrive Jekyll and leave Hyde. She's also produced and directed numerous award-winning short films and was nominated for Best International Director at the Oregon Short Film Festival for The Curtain, which also won Outstanding Achievement in a BC Short at the 2018 Vancouver International Women in Film Festival. In short, Yan K. Crystal Lowe contains multitudes, and we are going to talk through many of those multitudes today. Yan K. Crystal Lowe. Welcome to the Wide Bear Screen Scene Podcast. Oh my God, you just made me sound so 
so exciting, which made me feel so good about being here. So thank you. <laughs> you, you are exciting and I am excited. Um, before we get into doing your career origin story and talking about Rita and Toby and all the rest of it, I want to talk about Yan K. Crystal Lowe. I've known you for years, since the beginning of my film and TV journalism career, and I have only ever known you as Crystal. And yet now I see that on your social media and in interactions that I've seen you have with your colleagues at Science Seal Delivered, you, they are referring to you and you are referring to yourself as Yan K. Crystal Love. So tell me what this moment means to you and why we are now getting to know Yan K. You know, I think a couple of years ago, I um, started rediscovering, and I think so did the world shortly after and, and maybe when I was going through that as well what um, gaze we have been viewed through for a very long time, <laughs> not just as a woman, because that's come up a lot, but also um, how we were placed into boxes, you know, and, and predominantly what we see on television and film, which was all white people. Um, because I'm a Hapa, which is half Asian, half white, and I'm white passing, um, when I got in the film industry, I was very much encouraged to try to look as white as possible. Um, in fact, I lost roles because they found out that I was half Chinese and I was told I have to whiten my name up. Um, and and I, I, I don't... Sorry, enjoy. sorry. Were those literally the words that were used? Um, no, it was more just like you need to, because you don't look Asian enough, they're not going to bring you in for anything Asian. Um, and unfortunately, because I started so young at 15, I, the, the only roles for me were roles that were part of a family, the majority of them, right? Because a 15-year-old. And uh, I would have to look more Caucasian because there's only Caucasian people on TV in families at that time period. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I fucked up. I did go in for an audition, um, play an Italian woman's daughter. This is one of my first auditions. And I had my, the real spelling of my last name is actually Low L-O, not L-O-W-E. Um, but I've had L-O-W-E and it's kind of part of my identity now for so long that that I, I kept. Um, as a stage name, but L-O is the real spelling. So when I went into that audition, I wrote Crystal Lowe, L-O, because that was my name. And the director was like, oh my God, I loved your work. That was great. It was going really well. And then he said, but wait, why did you write Lowe here, L-O here, and L-O-W-E? Like, I gotta tell the truth, because I thought I had to tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, I'm actually half Chinese. And he was like, you know, now that you say that, I can see it okay, thanks. And the casting director called my agent and said, tell her not to do that again because she had the role, they loved her, but now he can't unsee that, that she's Asian and he doesn't think there's any way that it can work. She just can't play this woman's daughter, which I, I could have at that time. Of course you um, could have. But so, uh, what, did, what impact though did hearing those words at that time in your career have on your spirit and your soul? Because you uh, are Jan K. Crystal Lowe. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. And that's, uh, you know, a lot. I mean, I don't think I understood how much it affected me until later, even now, years later. Um, but, you know, you kind of just in our industry, it's so difficult to just be in our industry, period. It is so difficult to get a job. It is so difficult to get somebody to like you or whatever. Um, 
that you spend all that time trying to people please already. Yeah. So this, this just felt like, okay, I'm supposed to just do this thing. So I actually kept LO as my modeling name at the time. That way I felt like I was still staying true to who I was mm. being Asian. Um, because I had a lot of guilt to changing my last name and then dropping my, my Chinese name is my first name on my birth certificate. Um, but I, I never used it and I was very ashamed of it. I would always kind of like, not ashamed of it, but like I knew I would get made fun of. So I would make fun of it first. You know, mm. I was terrified if someone was going to see it because I was like, well, I got to drop the joke first, you know, because then they're going to, they're going to drop the joke uh, and I got to beat them. And I, I think that goes with a lot of people trying to protect themselves from every bully. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to go that way. Um, but yeah, when I decided to take it back, it was also very conflicting because I was like, am I a fraud for taking this back? What are people going to say about me? Especially in Vancouver, they only know me as Crystal Lowe. They're going to be like, what? And then I thought, oh, I don't care <laughs> what they think. That's amazing. And after a while, I was like, I love those people. But if they really care about me taking back my 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 first name that belongs to me, then I don't really care what they think. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then they would also need to really ask themselves, especially in this historic moment. Yeah. Uh, with everything that has gone on and we're talking about Black Lives Matter, we're talking about yeah. a stop Asian hate and we're talking about what it actually means to to have diversity and inclusion in this industry. You know, if if they are taken aback or shocked or whatever about you taking back your name, right. your actual name, then they need to do some self-examination and ask themselves, you know, why they're so bothered by it. Right. You know, so what has it changed for you? What has changed within you then, you know, and also in your interactions with people now that you have kind of revealed yourself, you know, as Yan um, Kay? It's just, I just get to be me and not, and that whole I don't care thing was a really freeing moment because I think mm -hmm. I've cared for a really long time uh, what everybody thought. And, you know, that's a battle that everybody faces. Um, but in the last, especially the last couple of years, and then having a kid, you know, you're just like, I just, I'm only going to be here once. So I should just be authentic to who I am. And, and that might alienate some people. And I'm okay with that, you know, yeah. and the truth is at the end of the day, it really hasn't, it really hasn't, you know, I think a lot of that fear, it's also internal. So have I, you know, have I lost anyone over it? No. Has anyone, you know, cracked a joke probably at my expense? Maybe, but I wasn't there and I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's what about hearing from, have you heard from, from people who are Chinese, Chinese American, Chinese Canadian, half, whatever the, the, you know, cause I mean, I'm somebody, I am, I'm Ukrainian and I'm South Asian. Not everybody knows yeah. that unless I put it out there, you know, have you heard from, from people who, are excited to know that, you know, that, that Rita, you know, the person who plays Rita is, is Chinese. Like, yeah. like what kind of feedback have you heard from your audiences? Um, it's been really good. And I've had people come, you know, to me and, and talk to me about how that made them feel really confident and like they could own themselves. And mm. uh, I mean, Rita's whole character on Science Sealed, you know, is she is so sweet and lovable, but she's also somebody that really owns herself. Mm. Um, there's a great episode where she gets transformed into this pageant queen and she goes under this makeover and then she just takes it all off because she's like, if, you know, I could do this, but then I wouldn't be me. Mm. So even in her sweetness, she's 
she stays true to who she is. Um, and so I think that that theme transfers over to what I'm doing and uh, the postables accept it and love it. And they've been great. They're like, okay, what else, what do you need? <laughs> they, they're great. They, they are the most supportive fan base I've ever come across. I would say almost, you know, I, I'm like a good 90% of them are just wonderful and they just really love and value the show. So yeah. I'm super lucky. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk more about Postables and about Rita and everybody a little bit later. Uh, but now that we have been introduced to Yang Kay, uh, I want to go back to where you think your performing story starts. Take us back to a moment in your childhood where you were like Yang Kay Crystal Lowe in your purest, most distilled form. Yeah. There's, I have a couple of those moments, but one sticks out when I was at the, the Queenie Theater. My mom used to take me to a lot of pantomimes, and I, there was a pantomime there of Cinderella. Mm. That would have been like maybe six, maybe seven. Um, and they called us on stage. I got to go on st- Well, they actually called for me to get to go on stage and get a prize, and my mom, my mom refused to let me go up unless all the kids in our group went up. <laughs> 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 Because that's my mom. So, and then they said, fine. So they brought all five kids up and said, okay, let's bring them all up. So we all went up. And after that, she gave me a moment. And I remember the moment of like walking down and looking over, um, of, you know, where the orchestra played. And, mm. and I just wanted to touch that stage so bad. I just wanted to touch it. Like, I, I remember the feeling of wanting to touch it. Everything felt so magical for me when I was watching performances. And my mom would say she would look at me and I was just like, I felt understood and seen. And I knew that I wanted to do, you know, be a performer at like five, six, Mm. you know, that, that was something that was just, uh, I wanted to do that. And I was doing that. (laughs) That was happening. Yeah. uh, Come hell or come high water. And it saved me acting. I went down a really dangerous path when I was with a teenager. I hung out with very dangerous people. Um, and the only thing that saved me was that I wanted to be an actor more than I wanted anything else. Mm. And so uh, it, it, it steered me in a really clear direction. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned your mom and we've spoken about your mom in the past before and, you know, the, the incredible, uh, dedicated, determined single mom who went back to school and and really i mean if you're a hustler it's probably because of your mom being a hustler you know but you know tell me about her relationship to your dreams and specifically you know the ways in in which she encouraged you or you know or even like what kind of connection you see between the woman that you observed growing up and the work that you do now uh i think it's you know, I think as a working mom now, and for all the other working moms out there, there's so much mom guilt, mm. right? It's just yes. like we're and eats and sleeps, <laughs> where we never feel like we're doing enough. We're terrified that we're putting in too much, that we're not putting in enough, and I didn't show up to this soccer game, and I need to socialize with all these other parents. Like, there's so much all the time. Um, and then I also have to get my work done, and yeah, I got to put you on your iPad for like an hour while I do this. Like, you know... Um, Watching my mom work the way she did was what told me that I could do the things that I'm doing now. Mm. So, you know, it was crucial for me to see somebody 
go back after a divorce with two children, one who was like a year and a bit, come back and grow out of nothing and, you know, go to, to the extreme that my mom has gone. Of course, she's a professor with tenure and runs every committee and has written a million books. And like, you know, uh, she just did it. Yeah. And I watched her do it. And that was inspiring. So I hope other working moms realize that too, even though it feels like we're not baking enough and we're not there enough, you know, us doing our work too is what's inspiring your child because they watch us. Yeah. I also us. think perfection, this idea of, of, and it's very specific to mothers, I find, although I'm, I'm not going to say that that dads don't deal with it as well, but like this, idea, but I see it so much in, in my friends who are, are mothers this idea of um, working to attain perfection, you know, and that like we are failing our children in some way, you know, if we are not just firing at everything on all cylinders and it, it harms, it harms us. Like it, it harms the kid, but it, like that, that idea that really harms us. And I got to say like long time uh, therapy patient here. I love therapy. And one of the things that my therapist, cause I'd be like, I worry about everything. And I worry about like, you know, not getting like, I mean, it's Halloween, right? Like not getting the perfect Halloween costume and yeah. not getting all away and not having an awesome, like bento box, you know, lunch. And, and, uh, thing that the therapist would be like is like is like what if you don't what if you don't do it perfectly what if it doesn't get done what happens if it's only at 60 percent and the reality is that everybody will be fine yes and in fact and like you know because maybe i don't make the awesome bento box you know cutting little character faces out of seaweed on the rice maybe i just slap together a sandwich and send it out the door she'll still eat you know, yeah. if I, I buy the Halloween costume instead of making it, she'll get the costume, you know, and like, maybe it's not perfect, perfect, the, the Pinterest idea of perfect, but you know, I've, I've saved a little bit of my sanity, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's just something that, um, honestly, I'm very grateful for therapy and for my therapist, but it's something that I had to kind of work through, you know, kind of like on the job as a mom, right. In order just yeah. to save this kind of sanity. Well, and the anxiety, for me, anxiety has always been, and my mom has that, but my mom uses her anxiety to drive her. And it's, it's, so I've watched that for years. It took me years to be like, I want that and I want to use it, but I also don't need it. Yeah. I don't actually need the anxiety to get the things done. And my daughter is watching whether or not I have anxiety. So, and that is stressing her. I would rather not get the thing done. And she goes in, you know, the same Halloween costume two days in a row because do that although i have this weird thing that i have to have a different costume for every event um <laughs> this is me that's as I long as you enjoy it too right like as long yeah. as you enjoy it then that's fine yeah. but if you're putting pressure yeah you know she's gonna watch the anxiety part of it not the costume part of it so that's the part yeah. that i have to be it you know something happened when she was about oh she was really little she was still like you know crawling and sitting but I, there was one day I was looking in the mirror and I was just hating on my body. Mm. You know, like, boobs don't sit the way they're supposed to. My stomach, just, just being awful to myself. Mm -hmm. And I looked over at her and she was watching me. And it was in that moment that I thought, oh no, I have to be myself <laughs> because I can tell her she's beautiful till I'm blue in the face. But if I'm telling myself that I don't look good, if I'm t commenting on my body in front of her, that's what she sees. Mm. 
And that's what impacts her, not what I tell her. What she, how she sees me treat myself is how she's going to treat herself. So now when I have those moments, I say, I love my belly. And then I rub it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you I grab that. You'd be like, this, this is like this because of you. This yeah. is my little baby pouch. This is because of you. And I can sit on my butt because it's cushiony. Good for me. You know? <laughs> and she's like, okay. And then we dance and like love our bodies. Cause, but then it begged the question, like, why don't I love mine? Mm. Why so hard? If you were in front of me, Sabrina, I would be like, oh my God, look at you. You're gorgeous. I would point out everything great about you. It'd be easy. I, I wouldn't even have to think about it. But if I'm yeah. doing it to myself, it's like, oh, I can't. That's why. That's weird. Yeah. We should be able to. How much of that, and I just got to say, I feel that this is going to be one of those conversations where we are doing what we do socially and just jump all over the place. So guess what, listeners? You're getting a taste of what it's like when Sabrina and Crystal talk and there's no microphone here. But I'm really wondering about the connection between how we feel about ourselves, you know, as women and what we see on TV, number one. And number two, for you in the industry, and you've had people commenting on your body, on your looks, telling you all the reasons why you won't fit on the canvas of a show with cast and stuff. Like what impact do you think being in the industry has had on how you see yourself? And I know I've just asked you three questions, I'm asking you a fourth one. Is this an industry then, because of all of that, that you would recommend to your kid, to your daughter? You know, every industry has some version of this. Yeah. Like it just does because we're so, um, yeah, our mind is extremely heightened because I'm, I'm literally on television and people have <clears throat> glasses to judge me, but it's in every industry. Mm. It's funny, this conversation is coming up because I'm, I'm currently finishing a pilot I wrote and I, I was talking to my sister about this, about the male gaze. And I'm really fascinated with, I don't actually know what I find attractive and sexy and all these things because I've grown up mainly looking at everything through a male gaze. Yeah. So I don't even know what I think, you know, I'm like, oh, wait, I don't, is the Victoria's Secret models. I always thought that's what I wanted to be, but that's not, if I took away that and I was playing on an equal playing field, would I want that? Hmm. I don't know. I don't You've know. You've been conditioned it. because of just growing up in this culture yes. where it's been men determining yes. what is beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Um, and I find that really fascinating. Like when the song Walk came out, for example, I was like, yes, I am empowered. And it did make me feel empowered. I, I really did because I'd never heard a woman talk about that in the way that men have talked about that for years and rapped yeah. about that for years. And then I questioned myself and thought, well, if you took away fighting for the equal equal rights to do that, mm. then do I really like it? I don't know. I have no idea because all I know is what I'm <laughs> conditioned to think. So um, it's. I think that it's just we're we've been raised with it for years. We don't. We're only slowly now starting to come into what we we want. And if we take away that those pieces, and we're mm. on an equal playing field. You know, what do we find beautiful? What do we find gorgeous? You know, what do, what are we attracted to? Um, so I, I just think it's in every industry and I think our industry is like super heightened. Would I want me and my daughter to go into acting? 
I mean, look, if she loves it, I don't care what she wants to be. If she wants to be a, a clown for the rest of her life, I'll be like, be the best clown you can be. And we're going to go get you some classes. You know, uh, it's, it's, I think actors don't want their kids going into the industry because of the heartbreak. Mm. That's really more of what it is. It's yeah. like the heartbreak that you have to watch people go through when they put everything into something and then, and then they don't get it, you know, yeah. and that's your baby. So you don't want them to go through that heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think it's taking me years and years and years to figure out that I am worth more than how I look. Years and years and years. Because uh, that's really the only place I found any power. Yeah. How I appeared on the outside. And I felt very powerless all my life. Um, but I was like, oh, if I'm attractive, then maybe people will like me or they'll want to be around me or they'll think that I have some sort of power. I was trying to take my power back through that. Yeah. Um, so I became hyper-focused on it for years, you know, modeling and um, doing all that stuff. And now I'm like, well, maybe I could be funny. <laughs> maybe I could be smart. I don't know. Let's try that. You know, but I'm, I'm old now-ish. Okay. I'm older than you, so stop. <laughs> when do you feel powerful now? Or do you uh, feel powerful now? I think it comes in waves. Sometimes I'm like, Yes, I have got this. Um, these last couple of years for me have been a huge transformative years. Uh, and there's been times completely, I was like, what am I doing? I felt like um, Zoolander, <laughs> where he walks by the puddle and says, who am I? That's basically what I get thinking every time. Because uh, I was going through a, um, a rebirth of like, I, I don't know what I want anymore mm. I, I still love acting i'm gonna do that forever that's my trade that's part of my life but but there's something missing mm. you know and and that's when i started directing and i was like oh that, that that feels good and now i'm writing oh that this feels oh i'm a storyteller as a, i do all three of those things i don't just do one and that took me a long time to own because i thought i couldn't do it mm. and i'm like i can do it. And also I have amazing women like Issa Rae, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, there's so many women now that you can look up to and be like, oh, oh, you can, you can be more than just one thing. Um, mm. And so now I'm finally feeling like I'm back in that power. You know? Yeah. We're going to talk about some specific roles now. Right. Um but not Rita yet. Speaking to you, Postables. <laughs> I'm dedicating a big chunk of time. I just want to make sure they know. We're gonna, we will get there. Uh, I mentioned that you are, uh, you have been a scream queen. I mean, we're talking Final Destinations 3. We're talking Masters of Horror. Can you tell me about some of the, your memories from this time? And specifically, like, what people on the outside of horror would be surprised to learn about actually making it? Oh, it's not scary when you're making it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not scary. Really? What I don't actually like horror films. They, they, mm. they stress me out. Like horror films scare me. I don't like being scared unless I'm on a roller coaster. I'd rather yeah. like throw that way, uh, not the other way. So <laughs> um, 
I like making horror films because then I just I'm in charge of my own fear and I can go into that as an actor, but I don't have to be terrified. So that's weird. Uh, the blood is just so cold. It's so cold. It's all no. over you and it's sticky. Have you have you died a lot in horror film? Oh my god, the cats are jumping on the table. There's one behind. Guys, can you see? This is the working from home thing. You get down, get down. They're chasing each other. They only ever do this when I'm recording. The assholes, assholes. They love them so much. Very grateful for them. But oh my god, if the power goes out and we have to start again, it's literally because of those assholes. Um. So anyway. Have you died? You've, you've died a lot on, in horror films. I have been burned alive. I've been stabbed. I've been had my eyes cut out of my head. I've what? been strangled. I don't even know. I have. You know, it got so much that there was a point where my mom was like, the first thing she would ask when I booked a role was, "When do you die in this?" Oh. <laughs> my my dream was to like be in something that didn't have a number at the end of it, mm -hmm. and also I didn't die. I like, Can I just be in the first one? Can I just not be in the second or third, please? <laughs> I'm crying. Imagine how Sean Beam's Beam's mom. Oh my gosh! I mean, you don't want to watch it either because that's your kid. I mean, luckily I got on Hallmark and nobody dies on that. Unless you're kind of like, you know, not in my show. Nobody's died yet, so that worked out really well. Very like, good. Very on. good. We're knocking all the wood, okay? <laughs> um, wow, you've really you have just uh, you've blown my mind here. Um, okay, we're gonna talk. I want to talk about Toby. Toby Nance as well oh, yeah. from Primeval New World because that's when I first when I first met you uh, was around the time of your restaurant and also Primeval New World uh, and you were working in I mean it was still scary there were dinosaurs uh, you were working uh, with a couple friends of the podcast Niall Mater and Sarah Canning um, what did you what did you learn? I mean, that was, that was an experience where you were a series regular, you know? So what did you learn through the experience of being a series regular on a sci-fi show? You know, and in what ways has, has that carried through the rest of your work? Uh, it was my first series reg. So I learned a lot so much. That was also a big transformative role for me because um, I, they really made me, they were like, we want Velma from Scooby-Doo. So like cut your hair, do you know, She's you were a nerd. I was a nerd. I was fucking a brilliant. Yeah. And I've never played that before. So that was really fun for me. Hmm. I loved playing her. It was super fun. The dinosaurs were so hard because it was really just a guy in a green suit holding two bowls running around going, Rawr, and we had to pretend it was like a dinosaur. And the, the graphics looked amazing. So like we really did have to pretend. I mean, in this show, there's a real dinosaur. You have to react. Yeah. I learned so much, uh, very, a lot from Nile. Tell me about Niall. I'm such a, I'm a huge fan. I was so shocked when, when I finally got Niall. him into the studio to learn that he would, like, he worked on oil rigs and he's yeah. a super down-to-earth dude. Like, t tell me what, yeah. what you learned from him. Uh, that he was annoyingly good. Mm. <laughs> In everything that was going on, I was like, how are you doing this? How do you know, you know, he would be like, Crystal, you're, you're in my light. Can you take a step back? And I was like, how do you know that? Where is the light? Like, I just, like, you know, I was so excited just to be there as a series reg. I was so nervous and stressed. Uh, he was really good with the cast. You know, being number one means you have a, you don't have to, but it would be nice if you have a role to play that kind of leads the rest of the cast. Mm -hmm. And he did that with total ease. Um, you know, he would have movie nights with us. He would throw events, you know, we'd all go go-karting to Bond. He was very sweet, um, but he just knew what he was doing. And I remember he was like, just watch. And I would, I remember 
uh, working with Martin Wood. And I, at the first day of set, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he was like, well, you better figure it out because we're going to start rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <Bye>. Martin. <laughs> That's Martin. And, and also Martin is like, you know, he just tells you the truth. And he was right. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I needed that. I will figure it out. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, watching Na was really great. Understanding camera movement through him. At that point, I wasn't directing, so I was more watching him mm. and seeing how he knew where the camera was hitting and what angles to turn and why and storytelling that way. That was really beneficial. And some of the relationships I've nurtured from that show have been great, like Gillian Horvath, who was- Gillian Horvath! Yeah, Gillian and I are still very good friends. I'm going to carve pumpkins with her, hopefully. Aww, so. I, want, I want to carve pumpkins with Gillian. Uh, I love Gillian. Gillian is such a, a, a brilliant nerd. Yeah, and I, I love the her. stories that pour forth from her brain. We're chatting about working together a lot, so we're looking at uh, doing something hopefully in the near future because there's a lot of cool stuff out there that we would like to do. Yeah, uh, this is a very important question um, that is directly related to Primeval New World, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask: What's your favorite dinosaur? Oh. I should. It's all. Always been a triceratops, and I don't really know why. I just love them because you know, they're kind of short and stout, and I like everything short and stout. I had a French bulldog. Oh, you know. <laughs> and I feel like they'd be pretty chill, you know, compared to like yeah. a raptor or a or a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Um, that's, a, that's a good answer. I short and stocky. Yeah, <laughs> that's a short and stocky thing. <laughs> yeah, I I dig that. Um, good good answer. Good answer. Okay, Postables, we're going to talk about Rita now. Rita Hayworth Dorman, now yes. married to Norman Dorman. Okay, so, Rita. Yes. What you like about her? Oh, everything. <laughs> I, I, Rita, the character of Rita has been such a treat and a joy, and I cannot believe that we have been doing this over a span of eight years. I can't mm. believe it. It's crazy. Um, and the fan base is growing. It's cra it's crazy to me. We just did, uh, our movie just came out. Yeah. We haven't been on the air in three years and it's the highest rated one we've done. And we haven't been on the air in three years. Yeah. Um, and the fan group just keeps growing. I just keep, you know, I keep getting these messages of like another thousand people have joined another thousand. I'm like, what? You know, people are um, now just discovering the show, I think, which is really weird. I don't know why that is, but they're, they're seeing it now. Um, can, we, can we talk a little bit about that though? Like, like let's talk about like what, cause you know, the last couple of years, especially, um, I mean, we are still recording in the midst of a global pandemic. You know, a lot of us have felt very isolated from each other. A lot of us might've taken up writing letters again and, and whatever, you know, like, which is, you know, directly tied to like the conceit of the show. But like, what, what is it that you think is about this particular show that makes it resonate so hard, you know, with, with, from people who are diehard postables to people who yeah. might stumble upon it and be like, oh, this is delightful. Yeah. It's hope-based. And yeah. I think that people uh, really need that. That's why Ted Lasso is killing it right now. Mm -hmm. I, I, I haven't even watched all of Ted Lasso because I'm saving each episode. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to walk through this because I need it, you yeah. know? And I think that's what Science Heal does. But not only is it hope-based and uh you know kind and gentle it's it's very layered like martha can write yeah and if you watch any of martha those, williamson respect must be paid put some respect on her name um 
she'll be like, thanks a lot, Crystal. Uh, <laughs> if you read, if you watch any of the episodes, you can really watch them five times and find new things. It's very layered. Everything she writes ties into something else. It ties into something else. And we still deal with big topics. Like, you know, one of my favorite episodes dealt with mental illness. Mm. That was my favorite episode of the entire canon. Sorry, the cat literally just jumped up again. Seriously, guys. <laughs> oh, they're fans. They're postables, apparently. I can't argue. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, sorry. Your favorite episode, mental, yeah, we, we mental know, illness. With mental illness and a, uh, a mother who had to leave because of it, uh, leave her daughter with her, her own mother because of it, and we reunite them. And we find out, you know, that this mom has been writing these letters a- as an adventurer all over the world when really she's been living on the streets, but mm. she don't want to affect her daughter. It's just, you know, but then Martha does it in this way that's so, it, 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 it's, it's digestible to watch if you're feeling sad yeah. and still feels like you left there having a deeper understanding of mental illness, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a gift. I don't think many people can do that. And, and you still laugh and you still cry in every episode. Yeah. So, it, you know, I think that's why people like it and they're starting to see it. I think it's, but I'm biased. You are very biased, but I mean, I'm a Yanke Crystalo fan, so I'm biased too. Okay, you mentioned that episode. Tell me about some of your other favorite episodes. And I would love to hear about some of the jaw-dropping guest stars that have appeared on Science Hill Deliver because I, I remember you being like, I'm working with this icon. I'm working with yeah. this icon. I'm like, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they literally just like her friends, you know, that she yeah. calls. Like, hey, Valerie Bernal, you want to come on here? And Valerie Harper, and want to come on here and do this? Uh, I would say one of the biggest moments for me and Rita was when I worked with Della Reese, mm. who... Uh, Martha came up to me right before our scene and said, this is probably the last time Della will ever be on television and it's going to be with you. I was like, okay. And then I thought, okay, then I'm just going to be here with her. Mm. Uh, and we had a beautiful scene. She went off long book and grabbed my hand and just said, they're going to try to change you. Don't let them. Mm. Um, and, and you are beautiful just the way you are. And they kept that in the, in the scene and I was crying and she was crying and, and that was the last time that Della Reese was ever on television. And if you look up Della's career, it's, I mean, that woman was a force and mm-hmm. fighting against racism in a time where it was just, I mean, it's now, but what she did through her career is, is insane. Um, Can I just point out that, I mean, we're an audio podcast, so people won't know this, but all of a sudden you are like, there's like a golden light behind you. <laughs> As if you are being touched by an angel at this yeah, moment. She, <laughs> she's probably here. I mean, she, you know, Martha had said, you know, prepare for Della because she, when she walks on set, she, she, you know, owns the set. And man, I, and she was quite sick at that point too. We didn't know, but she was sick. Mm. Um, but they, they would yell accident and she would, you know, kind of turn on. And I was like, when this woman, I don't even know, you know, there's some people that walk in a room and you're like, oh, wow, you fill every bit of inch of this space. Yeah. She just owned herself entirely. It was amazing. Carol Burnett. That was the one where I was very jealous. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an actor, so it's not like I would like a real, I'm like, oh, man, to share space with a legend like that. Yeah, Carol was like. Carol. 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 (laughs) 
went to her show out here and she remembered me. She was like, hey, hey Crystal, how's Mila, my daughter? I'm like, good. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I've worked with you a couple times. I was like, I know, but I wouldn't remember me if I were you. Um, yeah, she was, and she was so cool. My mom came on set that day because mom's a huge fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and she goes, oh, what's your mom's name? I said, Cher. And she wore this big hat and carol turned slightly across the room looked at my mom and said sharon how are you and my mom <gasps> almost died like she she looks like then we took a picture and on our family wall which is only family is all family and a picture of carol burnett which i think is hilarious I'm like, well she's like you're in it too <laughs> basically family i mean i don't think your mom your mom needs to uh to justify that at all frankly yeah what does your mom think about about your career and what you're doing oh my mom is like my biggest supporter i mean she drives me crazy but that's because she's my mom drives me crazy in a way that like she's always right which is so annoying Mm -hmm. uh you know always are always she'll call me you know but years ago she was like i think you would be a really good producer and i was like i don't want to be a producer I'm just an actor. She was like, I think you could also write. You should be a, you've always been a talented writer. And I was like, no way. <laughs> uh, oh my God, you sound like my child right now. My almost 11 year old. Yes. Yeah. When I was 20 saying that though, so that's embarrassing. Uh, but she was right. <laughs> She's always right. And as I got older, I was like, I want to branch into all, all the aspects of storytelling. And she, you know, she never says I told you so, but she goes, oh yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> My mom will never say anything negative. She'll just send me like annoying memes through Facebook or like things that, you know, inspire me, but they're just little things. Like, so she won't actually say it if she doesn't agree with something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, but she's a really harsh critic of my writing. Like I keep sending her stuff and just wanting her to say, this is so smart, but she's an English professor. Yeah. That's on you. That is on you. <laughs> she'll, she'll like, rip it up what's the story i don't know what else do you have is there something deeper oh mom like you know she'll push me and i'm like yeah i guess that's what people pay you for yeah yeah and you're getting it you're getting it for free i know i know (laughs) so you went on this sign seal deliver journey you were not alone in this in fact you were kind of like a member of the of the the, of dorothy's crew on the wizard of oz uh with 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 jeff and eric and kristen so why don't we talk a bit maybe you could just go go through your your uh, colleagues there and tell me, you know, about the special qualities that they, they brought to set and, you know, what you, what you learned from them. You know, I think, um, I guess I'll just start with Eric cause he's, he's uh, all over on the show. Um, watching him memorize what he memorizes is insane. Uh, he has chunks of dialogue and I'm talking like, you know, quoting Shakespeare and everything huge that was very impressive to watch mm. and to kind of watch his process i mean he, he's pretty hard on himself that's but he he dedicates himself a lot and that was just good to remind myself if i if i'm taking a job like that that's an extra you know two hours of work every night of mm. just getting that in my head and that was i always found that really impressive about, about him um but he said there's a musicality to the way that martha writes that's how he memorizes it's finding the music in it oh that was interesting um Kristen Booth is literally like my sister. You know, we have become like, she was there the second day that Mila was born. She was in the hospital holding her. Mm. She changed her flight so she could come and see her at the hospital. Um, We're tight, 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 tight. I talk to her every five minutes. Uh, 
and Jeff, I've grown up with. You know, I knew him since I was a 15 year old. We went to high school together. We did prime meal together. That's bonkers to think about. We didn't know. Uh, and we, we have a chemistry that I can't explain. We can love each other and hate each other in five seconds and then love each other again. <laughs> it's, it's cause it's, you know, when you've known somebody for 20 plus years. Yeah. yeah. What a journey, what a journey that you've all been on. And you know, what a journey that Rita went on, you know, particularly with Norman, but you know, also within herself, like what lessons do you see in Rita's journey? Uh, again, acceptance of self, mm. uh, taking your time in a relationship, even though it was driving her crazy. Uh, I think <laughs> it's the time they to become really good friends that may are going to make their, their marriage successful. They're best friends, first and foremost. Uh, mm. And then they're going to be married a married couple after. I think that's crucial, and I don't think we take enough time to do that. Yeah. Because if you're best friends, you can forgive the fact that they put their toothbrush in the wrong spot. Uh, even though it's wrong. Or if they take their their dirty clothes off and put it next to the empty laundry basket or just like on the edge. I've been with Paul for 22 years. We were (laughs) friends beforehand, but, and I get, maybe that's why, because I like him. I love him, but I like him. So I kind of put up with it, but I also want to show those socks down his throat. Yes, well. (laughs) <laughs> it is part of marriage. Tolerant of it if you are best friends, and I think that's that's so uh, important. So that I've learned from Rita. I've learned a million things from Rita. Yeah. Go that I really wanted to produce and direct and write. That happened while I was on Science Sealed. Yeah. And do comedy, which I didn't ever think I wanted to do, and now Just I like obsessed. bonkers to me because even when I first spoke to you back in the day. And yes, it's been that long back in the day. Think about how much your life has changed. Yeah. Honey. Thanks. No, it's not a compliment, really. It's like a statement of fact. Well, it's, You're it's funny. To, like wrap my brain around, but, you know, I like comedy and I like looking stupid. It feels good to look like an idiot and to not care how I appear. Uh, it's fun. It's more fun than the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. What is a Yan K Crystal Low role? Now I can put that another way because I've learned in 199 episodes to put it a couple of different ways. Um, what qualities need to be present in a role to get you really excited to go to work? Um, somebody who has a journey to overcome. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I really love watching a character overcome and whether that's good to bad or bad to good, it doesn't really matter as long as they have a really clear arc and journey. I would, I love that. And also characters that, uh, just appear dumb and and fun and silly. I, you know, I, I just started watching pen 15, (laughs) which I don't, I would love to be in that. You know, I would love to do something so silly and ridiculous. I'm obsessed with Mindy Kaling. Mm. Anything she does, I would be stoked to be a part of. Her sense of humor is exactly my sense of humor. So um, those kind of shows. I would love to do a show like that. that yeah. Would be my, my goal right now. You ready to play Favorite Things? Yes. Yeah. Give okay, it to vi- me. 
I'm going to give it to you. So favorite things is a segment that was developed by my then nine-year-old, now 10-year-old, about to be 11-year-old child, uh, and basically ask you what your favorite thing is of a thing, and you answer. And, and answer, don't just say the first thing that comes to mind. I had, I had Tomo Pennicut on here who just started saying words, and it was like not his favorite things. It was just word, like he just wanted to fill the space. So it's got to like, it's got, so now I'm like, it's got to be like representative of you in some way. Got it. Um, okay. Favorite song to sing alone in the car? How Will I Know by Whitney Houston. Wow, that's very like, no, I, I know, I know. Um, that is very like ambitious. Uh, yeah, I'm singing it by myself in the car <laughs> in the background, so it's fine. Nobody's listening to me. But that is like, if that comes on, like that's, that's it's happening. I'm singing the whole song through and I'm mm -hmm. dancing the whole way through. I can't get out of the car. I have to finish it. Favorite Vancouver-based director? Oh, dang. There's so many. That's all listening right now, and they're all... <laughs> Tough question. <laughs> I haven't worked with everybody that I want to work with yet, either. Like, I've never worked with Peter DeLuise, and then I would love to work with Peter. I don't Something. think I have, or if I have, it was very short. Uh, you know, we've never really had like a big moment. Obviously, I loved working with Amanda Tapping. That mm. was a that was a clear person. I'm also, you know, there for a million reasons about Amanda, but because she spoke my language, that mm. uh, because she's an actor, it's it was just very easy to communicate with her. You know, it was easy for her to just come over and give me a note, and I knew exactly what she was asking for because we we communicate the same because we understand what we're doing. I love Martin Wood. I love him a lot. He uh, cracked me up, you know, like he, he's, he is uh, no BS, tells you how it is. I love that about him. Kevin Fair has done all of our sign seals pretty much. He's mm. done a spectacular job. He's Kevin is very good at, at taking a show that's mainly dialogue heavy um, and putting it into action, which is very difficult to do. Like he, you know, I, I, I really admire that about him. We're always, he's finding ways to either move the camera or move the cast. And that helps the dynamic of the show a lot. Yeah. I'm just trying to think who I'm missing that, you know, there's just, there's so many great directors in Vancouver. Um, anyway. I think you did well, you did well. I mean. Oh yeah, there's just so many, like there's so many. I'd have to like go through my whole resume and be like, ooh. Okay, okay. Let's go to the next question and okay. hopefully it won't be as stressful for you. All right. Favorite midnight snack? Anything with sugar. <laughs> well, that's, that's anything, pretty much. <laughs> Mainly like a cupcake or cake or candy. Mm. I, I'm a sweet, per, sweet tooth person. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. If it's not that, then I want dill pickle chips. Yeah, and yeah. Much, dill pickle. Or Lay's. God, I'm really not good at this. I'm just listing all these different things. Like. Yeah, this is amazing. It's better than somebody who sits there and does what Tomo did, just saying <laughs> words, or just doesn't know what to say. Okay. I feel like this is another unfair question, but I'm going to do it. Do it. Favorite screen partner? <laughs> the look on your face. I'm like, he's like, go through the list it's it's obviously Kristen Booth mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like there's no that's like a it's different she's like my soul sister we have mm. like you know 
it's easy. She's the person that I do a scene with and then go back to the trailer and eat with. Like mm-hmm. I'll spend 15 hours a day with her and then call her and go to her hotel room and have a glass of wine. Yeah. You know you love someone when you just spent 15 hours a day with them and then you still call them. Yeah. It's her. Yeah. I don't know her at all. I only know her work and also her activism and her bravery. I think that she is a really phenomenal human being. I would love to know her. I'd love to have her on the podcast. I'm sure she would do it. I'll ask her. Sometimes her bravery is insane. I mean, I'm really blown away by her. I'll I'll open Twitter and be like, oh, okay. All right. We're going there right now. Okay. Let's go. I mean, she just doesn't hold back. uh, and, And she's not concerned if if people don't agree yeah and i love that I in love a really good like way and she always fights for the underdog I, I appreciate kristen a lot yeah favorite place in vancouver to take out of towners flying pig they have the best really ever. i love the brussels sprouts at flying pig i always tell people to go there and eat them they're so crispy and delicious oh so it's like it's like a fried brussels sprout yeah but oh. the one in Yaletown, I mean, the Gastown one's good, but the Yaletown one is, I like they, it better. They got the, they got the primo Brussels yeah. sprouts. That's Blue awesome to know. has been around for a long time, too, and Blue Water is delicious, too. Those are, like, staples that I know if I bring people, it's good. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Mm-hmm. All right. This is the last question. This is the most important question, according to my kid. Okay. Um, and I will say that after the experience of doing this interview today, I will have a different answer. <laughs> and you'll know in a minute what I mean. Favorite animal. Oh. And it's not cats today. Not cats, Wade and Vanessa, I'm looking at you. I would say my favorite animal are French bulldogs. Yeah. I have 18 years. <laughs> and unfortunately, she passed last Christmas. But, oh. but I love her so much. I think about her all the time. I rewatch her videos all the time. She's... A Frenchies are like, I will, Frenchies are the only dog that I like stop and pull over to be like, can I pet your dog? I'm that person. But only Wait, you that- stop and pull over? So somebody's walking their dog on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. You swerve and jump out of your car. Maybe. It's possible. Slide across the hood. <laughs> can I please pet the dog? And they're like, just, just let the crazy lady pet the dog. <laughs> you know, I also, because I think that I, in my mind, they're all honey. And then, I, you know, their personalities, they're just so funny and stinky and short and stocky. This is what I'm telling you. It's a, it's a theme. Everything I like is short and stocky. Don't know why. <laughs> my dog, my kid. <laughs> Good Lord. Jan K. Crystal Lowe, what a fucking delight it has been having you on the YVR Screen Scene podcast today. Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on social media? Uh, Real Crystal Low on Twitter, official Crystal Low on Instagram. I am learning how to do TikTok videos. Teaching <gasps> myself. Wow. Why am I doing this? Because it's fun, and because I want to do weird dances while I'm on a bicycle and I'm, you know, rolling down the beach. I just want to try them because they're they're fun. I'm so, not allowed. I'm literally not allowed. You have a, a preteen. Yeah, who is? I was like, I I think I should get TikTok. She's like. No, you're it's too old. Here. It's like, oh, okay. I so part of me wants to, but then I guess the other part of me is a little relieved to this. Like, okay, if she says I shouldn't, then I'm not going to. Do you know how much I've learned on TikTok? Like, I'm not allowed to have a side part if I want to pretend that I'm in my 20s. I have to, like, part it in the middle. Thank you, TikTok. I've learned what so many things are. And because I teach huh. young people uh, acting, <laughs> I 
I always come to them with new terminology and they're like, oh my God, Crystal, get off TikTok. Where are you learning this? Like, what does this mean? What does it mean when you snap at people? That's a good thing, right? It's a thirst trap. What's all, what are all these things? Have you heard of <laughs> singing? Singing. No. That's what the young people call sexual relations these days. I just found that out recently. They called it singing, unless they were trying to make fun of me and be like, oh yeah, we call it singing now. Um, I'm a hundred years old, basically. I'm not going on TikTok. That's what, the, that's what this is. And you'll come back and we're gonna do this again? Maybe with yeah, I would love to. That would be so fun. Oh yeah, that'd be great. She would, she would love to do this. She's awesome. I, I, I would love to host you. Well, thank you. Crystal. No, wait. Thank you, Yan K. Crystal Low. Thank you. I love you. All right. And thank you also to our listeners. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners that we can keep having awesome conversations like this. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenScene. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger Devolate, poor, poor, not Furminger Dane, for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.